It's definitely disturbing, um, not something that I, I want to hear going on around here. Police hunting for suspects after two sexual assaults on Vancouver Island. And an unknown dog came running after her and uh, into the house and attacked her in the foyer. A horrific dog attack in Richmond. The family speaking out after their pet is mauled to death in their own home. It was like, it was like. And the police appeal for dash cam video after a targeted shooting in South Vancouver. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. We start with two alarming attacks in the greater Victoria area this weekend. Both in Esquimalt and Saanich, they are on the hunt for suspects after two people were sexually assaulted yesterday. One of those assaults happening in the victim's own home, the other at a local park. As Paul Johnson now reports, we don't know yet if the two attacks are connected. What could be more terrifying than this? Early Saturday morning, a woman living in an apartment in this building on Esquimalt's Ellery Street reported being sexually assaulted by a man with a weapon who broke into her home. She ended up being taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries and her attacker escaped. Police put this notice up in the building's elevator. I just saw that push that was sick in our elevator. Yeah, yeah it is definitely a little scary. About four kilometers away in Rudd Park in Saanich, around the same time of the Esquimalt attack, another person was accosted in what police say was an attempted sex assault. This time, the man was scared off, riding away on a black bike. Definitely disturbing. Um, not something that I, I want to hear going on around here. Police have not linked the two attacks which leaves open the possibility of two different predators still at large or a single one, brazen enough to try and strike twice in a single night. Hopefully they can get to the bottom of uh, what happened and uh, figure out who was doing it and uh, arrest him or put him behind bars. Paul Johnson, Global News. Police are appealing for dash cam video tonight after what they say was a targeted shooting in southeast Vancouver. Shots rang out at about 5 p.m. yesterday at East 53rd and Prince Edward. A 45-year-old man was found with gunshot wounds. Grace Key brings us the latest. Vancouver police spent several hours meticulously combing through a South Vancouver neighborhood, searching for any clues that could lead them to the shooter, who sent a 45-year-old man to hospital. Neighbors say they heard several shots in a row before police and paramedics arrived. It sounded like really loud claps. It was like... It was like they were, a few minutes later, they were bringing the uh, guy who was shot into the ambulance. And then soon after, police started taping off the area to investigate. The shooting happened just after 5 o'clock Saturday evening on East 53rd Avenue near Prince Edward Street. When police got to the scene, they found the victim suffering from gunshot wounds and he was rushed to hospital. He has no life-threatening injuries. Police are saying this was a targeted shooting. Mostly it's been peaceful, but I would say it's kind of scary when that happens. But, uh, you know, you do what you do to support your community. I mean, I know it was it's suspected that it was targeted. It can happen anywhere. Um, so I still feel pretty safe in this neighborhood. 
But I guess, yeah, anything can happen anywhere. Police are asking for witnesses and anyone with dash cam footage to come forward. Specifically, if you're driving between 4.30 and 5.30 Saturday evening in the area between East 49th, East 57th, and Fraser and Main Street. Even more disturbing for neighbours, the shooting happened right across the street from an elementary school. No word yet on a motive and no arrests have been made. Grace Key, Global News. Now, tomorrow, we'll be getting an update on the process to replace or upgrade the George Massey Tunnel. There is a government report that is going to be made public. Our Keith Baldry has had a chance to get a, a sneak peek of that. What have you learned, Keith? Yeah, it's quite a weighty volume, uh, Sonia. It's a, a lot of work has gone into this. They've, BC government has hired a private consultant to take a look at the whole issue of the crossing uh, in that area. And again, a lot of interest in this because so many people, of course, go through that tunnel on a daily basis. And a lot of people concerned about the safety implications and the long-term health of that. So should, what should replace it, a bridge or a tunnel? So here's what to expect tomorrow. As I say, a 300-page-plus uh, report from Stan Caldwell, uh, Stan Caldwell, uh, the, the uh, technical advisor, Advisor here on the crossing. Also, additional funding will be announced to improve safety on the existing tunnel. But the final decision on whether to go to a new bridge or to a new tunnel, sort of a twin tunnel, will have to be done in conjunction with the TransLink's Mayor's Council and local First Nations. That's a marked departure from the previous BC Liberal government's view, was that it was just arbitrary to impose a 10-lane bridge uh, without necessarily consulting people in the region. So we're going to get another sort of step along the road of a very controversial uh, project. Uh, Sonia, but we're not going to get the final decision on whether a tunnel or a bridge is the option to go. All right, we'll wait and see. Um, also, uh, in other stuff that's happened today, th the three main parties have chosen uh, their candidates for the by-election in mm. Nanaimo. So what are you learning about that? Yeah, so Sheila Malcolmson, the new sort of one-term uh, MP, federal MP for the NDP, is the new candidate for the NDP in the riding of Nanaimo. She joins uh, also on the weekend Michelle Ney of uh, the BC Green Party, whose father was a longtime mayor of Nanaimo. A lot of people remember Frank Ney. And Tony Harris, the son of a well-known businessman, uh, Tom Harris, representing the BC Liberals. So this is a by-election that is unique in several ways, Sonia. First of all, three pretty well-known candidates in terms of name recognition. You don't see that every day in by-elections. Secondly, this is a, what the implications here are historic. If the NDP were to lose this seat, it would produce a tie in the legislature, almost making things unworkable. Having said that, the NDP's had this riding for 11 of the last 12 provincial elections. But another caveat, governments in this province generally don't win by-elections. They usually lose them. But with everything on the line here, I don't think the NDP is going to make any mistakes in terms of trying to get their vote out. The, the stakes are so huge here. Uh, we expect it to be held sometime in late January, early February, uh, because John Horgan and once that person in the chair come the budget time in early February. So it's going to be a fascinating race. It really is. Thanks very much for that, Keith. Uh, Keith Baldry right. reporting uh, live from Victoria for us tonight. Now, if you filled up your tank at a gas station yesterday, you might have noticed a price hike. Well, today, uh, people are paying even more. Gas prices in Vancouver have now climbed to 148 cents per litre. That is an 11 cent per litre hike from yesterday. Uh, the price increase is the second part of a 17 cent spike this weekend. Gas prices shot up six cents on Saturday. The cost bump is being linked to an issue with the Olympic pipeline in Washington, which delivers gas to Metro Vancouver. It's been pretty amusing. Over here, I got gas last week for uh, buck 
and it's been going up to like 137 up here. Sometimes I go across the bridge there and I watch the prices fluctuate here and there. I just put 60 bucks in and normally that would fill my tank and it didn't today, so I noticed. It is more expensive today, definitely, and I don't know what's going on. It keeps going up. A Richmond family is warning the public tonight after an aggressive dog randomly ran into their home and mauled their family pet to death. As Kristen Robinson reports, it took the city two days to catch up to the killer canine. Unprovoked, like our dog came out, was barking at the car, and as the car backed up, uh, stopped barking, and then you could tell by the video, just looked a little bit to this right and saw this dog at the front of our property, which ran right in after our dog. Inside Gary Locke's home, blood still stains the doorway where a roaming canine unleashed 27 seconds of terror. I had a four-year-old nephew who was in the foyer and uh, the bull terrier basically locked onto our dog, onto our dog's jaw and ripped it to shreds and uh, there's teeth everywhere and blood everywhere. Brandy, the 13-year-old multi-poo, no match for the massive marauding canine that attacked just as Locke's niece arrived to pick up her one- and four-year-old kids Friday afternoon. She kicked it twice in the head and it released its grip and then got stunned and walked outside and then took off. The killer canine paused long enough to be captured on surveillance. After two days at large, the city of Richmond confirms animal control now has the offending dog which its owner voluntarily surrendered. It's unclear if the aggressive animal will be put down as the investigation continues. It's a bad way to go, unfortunately. It's really sad. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An elderly woman in West Kelowna has died after a tragic accident. This happened in a laneway in the parking lot of the West Bank Shopping Centre on Saturday morning. Police say the 83-year-old woman was hit when the driver of a pickup truck was trying to make a left-hand turn. She died at the scene. The driver, a 34-year-old West Kelowna man, is cooperating with police. Now let's bring you the latest developments in the diplomatic fight between China and Canada. This all started after this month's arrest in Vancouver of an executive with Chinese telecom giant Huawei. Ottawa was finally given access today to the second of two Canadians that have been detained by China. But as Global's Heather Urich's West explains, there's no sign this conflict is going to end anytime soon. Canada's ambassador to China has now met with two Canadian men detained in China on suspicion of posing a threat to national security. Global Affairs confirmed Sunday Canada was given access to Michael Spavor for a consular meeting two days after a similar meeting took place with Michael Kovrig. He wouldn't be allowed to discuss what he's being interrogated about, so he wouldn't be allowed to discuss the case. He would only be able to assure the Canadian authorities that he's being well treated. Citing provisions to the Privacy Act, Global Affairs released few details about Sunday's meeting, saying in a statement that Canadian consular officials continue to provide consular services to him and his family and will continue to seek further access to Mr. Spaver. Spaver, an entrepreneur originally from Calgary, has been working in Northeast Asia for nearly two decades, traveling often to North Korea, as his Twitter profile describes, facilitating business, sport, culture and tourism projects. He helped to organize the high-profile Dennis Rodman visits to the country and tweeted December 9th from the North Korean city of Sarawan. 
Spavor and Kovrig were picked up in China days after the RCMP arrested Chinese tech executive Man Wanzhou and are believed to now be in the custody of China's Ministry of State Security. We do know that this kind of interrogation by the Ministry of State Security is quite brutal, um, involving sleep deprivation, sensory deprivation, and some physical confinement. Burton says that while gaining some consular access to the men is good, it likely does not represent real progress towards securing their release. That, he suspects, will only be possible after Wanzhou is freed. Heather Yurek's West, Global News, Calgary. Welcome back. Well, in Alberta, a massive rally was held today in support of Alberta's oil industry. Hundreds of supporters chanting and holding up placards in Grand Prairie to make their voices heard at what is a critical time for the industry. Global's Sarah Krauss reports. More than 1,500 Albertans came together in Muskocee Park in Grand Prairie this afternoon to show their support for Canadian oil and gas. Now, many of them came armed with signs, others came in their work uniforms. They want to send a message to Ottawa that Alberta and the rest of Canada needs a pipeline. They say that our oil is the oil that all of the country should be using. And that what happens here in Alberta to our economy impacts the entire rest of the country. People out in Alberta feel like they haven't been heard lately and we're frustrated. So we just want to spread some awareness that we're good hardworking Canadians that are just trying to provide for our families. And, and that's what it's all about. We've had some curtailment in our, our work. We're at, we've actually shut in some wells because they're not profitable at, uh, at that price. So it affects, you know, we're concerned with layoffs and... It's very concerning. It's a scary time in our industry right, right now. Both the Alberta NDP and the UCP took time to speak to the crowd here, as well as about a dozen other speakers from across Grand Prairie. Now, one thing that kept coming up was the question, can Ottawa hear us now? People gathered here want people across the country to understand the impact that the oil differential is having on families in Alberta. Reporting from Grand Prairie, Sarah Kraus, Global News. Well, after the speeches were done there, hundreds of oil field trucks took over the streets in another show of support for the industry. People from the rally sticking around despite the cold and cheering on as the trucks went past. Back to the Okanagan. It's been more than a week since people living in the small interior town of Headley were advised not to drink the water, even after boiling it. Global's Jules Knox finds out how residents are coping there and when the water advisory might finally be lifted. For Headley resident Josh Little, for now, this is the new norm. Water from a bottle, not the tap. It's been inconvenient too because it didn't really tell us what was going on. The town has been under a do not consume notice for tap water since last Friday because of high levels of arsenic and total coliform. Officials superchlorinated the water last weekend, but they're still waiting for a second set of test results. Interior Health got the results a few days ago and said the first result was fine, it was good, we're back to normal. They're still waiting for the second result and until they receive that, they won't give us permission to say the water's safe again. Headley's water comes from a deep well underground and it isn't treated. Boiling the water isn't an option. 
because that could potentially concentrate the arsenic level. Arsenic comes with gold deposits. We had a gold mine here. So during high water, some of that may be washed into the creek and then it finds its way into, into the aquifer, which is where we get our water from. As for those living here, they say it's those everyday habits that make living without drinkable tap water a challenge. Definitely to make a cup of coffee. Brushing your teeth. <laughs> yes, definitely. Automatically turn on the tap. Whoops, can't do that. It's, it's roughing it almost, yeah. In the meantime, people have been picking up free donated water from the store and the Headley Improvement District says it's also been handing out bottles. We have free water sitting outside the office right now. Officials are hoping to receive the second set of test results that could give the water the all-clear on Monday. As for the cause of the contamination, the Headley Improvement District says it's up to Interior Health to investigate. It also said it's too early to say whether or not it might be considering legal action if the cause of the contamination is traced back to recent contracting work done on the waterline. Jules Knox, Global News, Headley. Not sure if you're planning to get married anytime soon, but a Vancouver politician is proposing to open up the council chamber to couples who want to get hitched at City Hall. The city of Vancouver currently has no formal program in place for weddings at its heritage building, although couples have tied the knot outside. MPA councillor Melissa DeGenova is now calling for a simple process for City Hall weddings in order to cut red tape and offer affordable options for marriage ceremonies. In a motion to council, she wants the city to consider opening up its council chamber and outside plaza and garden as possible wedding venues. Vancouverite uh, Mira Oreck got uh, married on the plaza this past summer but had to apply for an $800 film and special events permit and rent her own washrooms for the big day. I think if the city is actually going to invest in making the space um, accessible to weddings, it will have to in invest some time and likely resources to make it possible. We got married on this plaza. There isn't infrastructure here. So there aren't bathrooms. There's not shade cover for the sun or for the rain. Um, there's not an inside space to put any personal items. So um, I think if we're, it's a great idea, but I think it needs to be supported by some infrastructure and resources. People have asked me if it's possible to book council chambers or uh, areas of city hall for weddings, and they were quite surprised that there's an entire program offered on Vancouver.ca, our city website, for booking park facilities. Uh, there's a one-stop shop permit program there, but not here at City Hall. Well, Victoria is one of several city halls in Canada, including Calgary, Ottawa and Toronto, that book wedding ceremonies on site. Couples can tie the knot at the Heritage City Hall building four days a year when three one-hour ceremonies are offered every day. Uh, the capital city charges $150 for the room rental fee. A couple got hitched there this past Friday, actually, and there you can see with uh, Victoria PD's top cop crashing the wedding, Chief Del Manic tweeting this photo, love is in the air at Victoria. Victoria City Hall. I love how he, the fact, he gate crashed the wedding as well. I guess he can do what he wants. He can, right? <laughs> what are you going to do, arrest him? Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll get sport with Barry in just a second on top four. Uh, but look at the weather festival with Yvonne right now. Um, it was um, wet out there today, but we managed to see a few breaks depending on where you were across Metro Vancouver. But the rain below has been great news for higher elevations. We are still, we have seen some snowfall. A look at the current satellite and radar. That's the next wave of moisture that's going to move its way across uh, the lower mainland. We're seeing it for the island right now. We do, though, however, have another weather maker 
more rain will be on the way in heavier times and windy conditions. A couple of warnings have popped up. I'll show you which area is coming up shortly. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. And in sport, Canucks. Yeah, big showdown tonight. Connor versus Elias, you know, two of the most uh, talented players really on the planet, certainly in the NHL. Connor McDavid, Elias Pettersson, both teams playing very well. We'll take a look back at the Canucks win last night against the Flyers. So we'll see how they do on back-to-back nights. And the Seahawks had a chance to clinch a playoff spot in San Francisco. I think everyone assumed they were just going to win because the 49ers aren't that good. But you know what happens when you assume. We'll let you think about that for a second. Highlights right. of that coming up, too. Yes, yes. don't make it. Yes. I won't complete yes. that yes. right I, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Welcome back. Well, after weeks of talks, officials from nearly 200 countries have reached a deal on how to put the 2015 Paris Climate Accord into action. It is so decided. Celebrations at the summit after delegates worked through the night to come to an agreement. The new deal includes a set of standards for every country on measuring and reducing emissions. The goal is to limit the rise in average world temperatures to well below two, two degrees Celsius. Canada was seen as a leader getting countries to agree to the rule book. But Environment Minister Catherine McKenna says our country still has a lot of work to do when it comes to setting clear and transparent rules here at home. The father of the young Guatemalan girl who died earlier this month while in U.S. Border Patrol custody is speaking out about the circumstances surrounding her death. Jacqueline Carl McKean's father denies U.S. government claims that the seven-year-old went days without food or water before crossing the border from Mexico. He also refuted the claim they'd been traveling through the desert for days before her death. The young girl became ill while being bused to a border patrol station but didn't receive medical attention for another 90 minutes. She later died in hospital. Three weeks after the campfire in Northern California was fully contained, thousands of people are still dealing with devastation and loss of property. A large number of animals and family pets were also displaced by the destruction. Now there are efforts underway to help those owners reunite with their pets. The flames from California's deadliest and most destructive wildfire killed 86 people and destroyed more than 14,000 homes. And in so many cases, separated families from their best friends. I don't have any idea where he could be. Lonnie Walker is still on a desperate search for his golden lab mix and maybe a way to ease some of the grief. I lost the most important thing in my life, and that was my wife. Uh, dogs mean something to me, being able to find them, but uh, can't bring back uh, really the most important thing in my life. We have a burnt cat back At the height of the campfire crisis, more than 2,000 animals were displaced. About half are still in shelters. Their owners with no homes of their own. It's incumbent on us. It's our duty to take care of them. Norm Rosine leads the North Family Animal Disaster Group. 300 volunteers on the front lines of pet welfare going well beyond area shelters. Navigating the fire zone, tending to animals left behind with food, water, and lots of love. They might have lost everything. They come back and they're just happy and smiling because their animals are still alive. It's mama, honey. Diana Harriman was finally allowed to return home after a month away, thankful to find her Thelma safe. I just wanted to get in here and touch her and pick her up and tell her it's okay. 
It's gratifying work for this group of volunteers. You see a lot of hard things out here, and you just got to do your best and know that you're trying to help. Bringing hope in the furry form of unconditional love. You're very good. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Paradise, California. More than 40 people have been injured in an explosion at a restaurant in northern Japan. The explosion so powerful it caused nearby apartment buildings and houses to shake. It happened during the dinner rush hour, setting off a huge fire inside the two-story building. The injured were rushed to nearby hospitals. The cause is being investigated, but authorities say a gas leak is probably what caused this to happen. In Egypt, uh, an only kind of Egypt, uh, kind ancient tome has been found south of Cairo. Experts believe the tomb is about 4,400 years old and belonged to a senior official from the fifth dynasty of the pharaohs. The drawings on the walls are said to be exceptionally well preserved. The country's tourism sector has suffered after years of political turmoil and violence, leading the country to heavily promote its archaeological finds in hopes of a attracting more tourists. A unique father-daughter concert experience captured on video has now gone viral. That is Carrie Carberry and her dad Darren at Friday's Three Days Grace concert in Edmonton. Now Darren was born with a severe hearing impairment. Hearing aids give him some ability to experience sound and he's a big fan of this band. Carrie says her dad turned her onto the band in the first place and so she decided to sign the lyrics to help him enjoy the show even more. So far the video has been viewed more than 10 million times, including a nod from the band itself, reposting it on their Twitter account. All right, let's get a look at your weather with Yvonne. And a lot of people are planning to head down to Whistler at this time of year. And you got some good news. Great news. Yeah. Uh, we got in some video just to show you of the snowfall that fell. We had some snowfall warnings that were in effect if you're traveling along the sea to sky. Uh, but Whistler picking up over 20 centimeters of snow. Really, the range was between 10 and up to 15. Um, it's become wet snow, so more compact, but great conditions for the skiers and snowboarders. And a great start to the season so far. And a few of the other mountains to note, uh, Mount Washington also picked up 25 centimeters of snowfall, and that was over the past 12 hours. What we're seeing across Metro Vancouver. Different weather picture though. It's been falling as rain today up to 10 or 15 millimeters for most areas. And I wanted to show you this with the snowfall that we saw in Whistler. It was great for Santa Day today. We saw several photos, but this was a tweet that was sent out from Whistler Blackcomb. Back to our forecast temperatures right now sitting at 9. It's dry out of the airport, but we're still looking at some rainfall this evening and overnight. A southeasterly wind right now at 22 kilometers per hour. It was mild today. We did bump up to 10 as the high, above the average for this time of the year that sits closer to 6 degrees. Here's the rain that is going to push across uh, the south coast. Metro Vancouver already starting to see it towards western sections into the Fraser Valley. It's an additional 10 and up to 15 millimeters for most areas. But in behind it, the next weather maker is going to bring windy conditions. We've got a wind warning that has been issued along western sections of the island and the peak of the wind. This will be for tomorrow morning and afternoon. The peak likely for the afternoon southeasterly up to 80 kilometers per hour. It'll be possible that we'll see more weather warnings or wind warnings popping up across the island and we still have a rainfall warning that is in effect for House Sound. Today we've seen 30 and up to 40 millimeters and this is, this is an additional 30 millimeters if you're heading through that area. Here's the moisture that we're trying 
tracking. So for the morning hours, it'll be a chance of showers. But by the afternoon, this push of moisture, we can see the areas in yellow. It'll be heavy at times for the rainfall. Higher elevations, we'll be seeing some snow. And the southern interior, this evening we do have snow. Tomorrow morning, a bit of a break. And then it picks up once again by the evening. Most of the moisture is going to push in for interior sections. And this will be on your Tuesday morning. Whistler right now seeing some wet snowfall. But it's the Coquihalla, Allison Pass, a connector this evening. Five and up to ten centimeters. Kootenay Pass and Rogers Pass, ten centimeters. Tomorrow morning, just a chance to see some flurries. There'll be some sunny breaks. And then the snow redevelops towards the evening hour. Here's what we're tracking across the province. Three-day forecast with the peace. Chilly overnight with the wind chill at minus 15. The winds tomorrow southerly with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse at minus 5, a southerly wind at 30 for tomorrow. Along the north coast, it'll still remain very windy. Temperatures, though, bumping up to 7 as the high. Caribou and central interior, drier start to the morning with a mainly cloudy sky. Gusts tomorrow up to 60 for your winds. Columbia and Kootenai region will also see windy conditions. A bit of wet snow for the morning hour and then the snow level rising to 1,100 meters. Thompson Okanagan will see an increase in cloud cover, some dry patches, and then the rain pushing in towards the evening and heavy at times on Tuesday. And Whistler still seeing some wet snowfall. Early morning hours has the potential for two and up to five centimeters. And so far, wind warning has been issued along western sections, but stay tuned. It's possible we'll see it for a few other areas. The winds are going to ramp up tomorrow morning and into the afternoon. It'll be windy across Metro Vancouver. Milder temperatures, though, that's the silver lining. We'll see highs of 9 and 10 degrees, but some heavier rain pushing in for the afternoon tomorrow. Sonia? Okay, bit of sunshine there. Thanks very much for that, Yvonne. All right, let's catch up with all your sport. Uh, we're just talking about the Canucks and how they had very little time. You're concerned they'd be tired tonight. Well, they do yes. play back-to-back probably, I don't know, a dozen times during really? a regular season. You don't see it very often where they play home games back-to-back. Right. Night, but when they're playing like this, fans love that. You could see them twice in one weekend. Thanks, Sonia. The uh, Canucks are on a roll. Four wins and an overtime loss in their last five, nine of a possible ten points, but they will face a team tonight in Edmonton that is on a bigger roll. Oilers under Ken Hitchcock are 8-1-1 one one in their last ten. They're in a playoff spot, playing tight defense, getting very solid goaltending, and letting Connor McDavid take care of the scoring. And so far, it's been a winning formula, but uh, the Canucks have been doing well, too. Last night, they jumped all over a Flyers team that's very fragile right now. 18 goals against in their previous three, and the Canucks added to their woes. Delayed penalty, Chris Tanev, pretty nice move by Tanev. First goal of the season, but it was a pretty one. one nothing Vancouver, and they kept on coming. Louis Erickson had a strong game last night, cruising in the slot, and eh, the big Swede can finish when he has the chance. Two goals on four shots for the Canucks. Flyers pulled their goalie, but it uh, didn't matter. The Canucks just kept coming. Josh Levo from a sharp angle. Canucks have definitely gotten some bounces. Check out this. He fired it. It goes in off a flyer skate and in as the Canucks won at 5-1. Jacob Markstrom, 31 saves, but a tough test tonight against the Oilers, a 7 o'clock start. Well, pretty simple scenario for the Seahawks today. Beat the 3-10 49ers in San Francisco, and Seattle clinches a wild-card spot. Seahawks have owned the 49ers. They're on a five-year winning streak against them, 10-0 in that span, including a blowout 43-16 win just two weeks ago at CenturyLink. And Doug Baldwin back in the lineup for Seattle after missing last week with a hip injury. And... On the opening drive of the game, Russell Wilson too. Who else? Doug Baldwin hauls it in, gets both feet down for the touchdown. They did miss the point after, which actually 
came back to haunt them today. 6-0 Seahawks. The elation from that touchdown did not last long. Ensuing kickoff, Richie James from his own three. And I think you can guess what happens next. Gets some key blocks, accelerates through the hole. Uh, Janikowski, not much of an offering there on the tackle as... Uh, James takes it 97 yards for the touchdown, 7-6 San Francisco. Second quarter, Niner quarterback Nick Mullins to Garrett, uh, Garrett Selleck, and the Seahawks defender falls down. It's a rainy day in San Fran, very slick turf. A lot of guys had trouble with the footing. 41-yard touchdown, 14-6 San Fran, but Seahawks answer right back, and again, it's Wilson-Baldwin combination. Baldwin with a leaping catch and then makes the quick move, takes it in for the 35-yard touchdown. What a play by Baldwin. Avoids the hit and goes in for the score. Seahawks trailed 17-13 at half. Early fourth, Seattle fourth and goal going for it. Chris Carson looks like he has stopped dead in his tracks, but what determination. Keeps going and bowls his way in for the touchdown. They reviewed it, but it counts, and that was just sheer determination. 20-20. We would require overtime. In OT, Seahawks. Their own worst enemy took some penalties, including this marginal pass interference call against Shaq Griffin. Seattle, 14 penalties, 148 yards, many costly holding penalties, and it led to this Robbie Gold 36-yarder to win it for the 49ers. So the clinching party is on hold, 26-23 the final, but Seattle can clinch next week with a home win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Elsewhere in the NFL, Vikings and Dolphins, Minnesota hanging on to the last NFC wild card had lost three of four, so they fired their off. Offensive coordinator on Monday. Well, the new guy had an instant impact. Vikings put up 21 in the first. New commitment to the run. Latavius Murray runs it in to make it 21-0. But the Dolphins rallied. First play of the third quarter. Kalen Balage is going to take this one all the way. 75-yard TD Gallup. 17 straight Miami points. And... There's concern in Minnesota. They're up just 21-17. But the Vikings recover. Kirk Cousins to Aldrick Robinson. 40-yard touchdown. And the Vikings will stretch it out for a 41-17 win. They're now 7-6-1 and in the second wild card spot in the NFC. And as well, Cowboys and Indy. Dallas can clinch the NFC East with a win. Colts still in the hunt as well. All Indy. Marlon Mack with the touchdown run. 23-0. The Colts dominate the Cowboys. Both teams are 8-6 and six and certainly still in the playoff race. Packers and Bears. Chicago also with a chance to clinch the NFC North with a victory over Green Bay. Second quarter, Mitch Trubisky is going to find Tariq Cohen for the touchdown. 14-3 Chicago at the half. And in the fourth quarter, Trubisky will find Trey Burton. And that was the game winner as the Bears clinched the division 24 17 the final over the Packers. So it looks like Seattle's going to probably play Chicago or Dallas in the first round. That'll sort itself out the next two weeks. In the AFC, Steelers and Patriots, both division leaders. First quarter, Tom Brady, little play action, hits Chris Hogan all by his lonesome down the sidelines. Races in for a 63-yard touchdown, ties it up 7-7. Second quarter, Steelers driving Ben Roethlisberger, to Antonio Brown. How many times have they connected over the years? 17-yard strike. Such a lethal combination for the Steelers, who led by seven. Now, late in the fourth, Pittsburgh still up seven. Fourth and 15. Patriots, 20 seconds to go. Need to go for it. Brady's pass broken up. Huge win for the Steelers, who are now 8-5-1. Pats dropped to 9-5. Neither, neither is clinched, but still in strong position to win their respective divisions. 
Here's some of your favorite holiday songs at Cirque Musica Presents Wonderland, a concert and visual experience where audiences will journey into the world of high-flying circus adventure with amazing acrobats and aerialists that will definitely keep you at the edge of your seat. Get the ultimate Christmas experience at the Vancouver Christmas Market. This massive Christmas village will have authentic German sweets and treats, a cozy heated alpine lounge where you can enjoy food and hot beverages, and a massive walking Christmas tree with 36,000 twinkling lights. Check their website for details. Power BC is brought to you by Alpine Credits. Own your own home and need a loan? Get approved in less than 24 hours at alpinecredits.ca. Welcome back, everyone. There are a number of Canadian teams playing great hockey right now. The Canucks, Oilers, Jets, and Leafs. But there is no one hotter than the Calgary Flames, who've gone 12-2-1 in their last 15, including a 7-2 blowout win this afternoon over the lowly St. Louis Blues. Matthew Kachuk was born in St. Louis, where his dad Keith played for many years. First period, Flames power play. Guess who scores on the rebound? It's Matthew Kachuk, 15th of the season. Boy, he is a good player, man. The Canucks must rue every day that they didn't choose him in the draft a few years ago. He's a player. Then on a St. Louis power play, Elias Lindholm steals it off the faceoff, fires it past Jake Allen. Third straight game, the Flames have scored shorthanded, and they keep coming. Mark Giordano point shot. 4-0 Calgary after one. They bash the Blues 7-2. Calgary moves into first place in the Western Conference, at least temporarily. Lightning and Jets. Tampa ranked number one. Jets ranked number four in the NHL standings. Could be a Stanley Cup preview. Two great teams. Second period tied at one. Chris's brother, Brandon Tanev. Scrappy player. Stays with it. Knocks the loose puck past Andre Vasilevsky. 2-1 Jets. But Tampa answer right back. Steven Stamkos. He knows how to one-time the puck. That's his 16th of the year. 2-2. Late second. Tampa leading 3-2, but the Jets tie it. Great feed by Mark Scheifele to Nick Ehlers. One-timer makes it 3-3 after two. Tampa took the lead, but again, Winnipeg ties it. Scheifele shoots wide, and Ehlers there diving to knock in the rebound, and Scheifele has just scored in overtime, so the Jets with a huge win, 5-4 over Tampa. Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Rangers at MSG. Second period tied at two. William Carrier with the steal. Two-on-one the other way, and Carrier finishes, snapping it stick side on King Henrik Lundqvist. 3-2 Golden Knights, third period, Rangers tie. Chris Kreider down the left side, fires it past Marc-Andre Fleury. 3-3, we go to overtime in OT, Vegas on the rush. Paul Stashney to Alex Tuck, who gets the game winner. Stashney's second game back since missing two months with a knee injury, a goal and an assist for him. He'll definitely help the Vegas cause as they win it 4-3. Western League uh, this afternoon, the Giants just scored a late goal in the final minute to beat Prince George 2-1 to snap a two-game losing skid, and Edmonton beat the Kootenai Ice 7-4. NBA tonight, Raptors on the road in Denver to play the Nuggets, conference leaders in the NBA. No Kyle Lowry for the second straight game with a thigh bruise, but Danny Green with the steal and layup, 23 all after one. Second quarter, DeLon Wright starting in place of Lowry taking it to the basket beautifully here. He had eight in the first half. Raptors now lead 70-60 to 60 in the third. English Premiership Sunday, huge match. Liverpool, Man United at Anfield, 24th minute. This is nice. Roberto Firmino to Fabinho. What a touch to uh, Sadio Mane. Chest and volley. 1-0. Liverpool, 73rd minute. Now 1-1. It's Shakiri. His hips don't lie. I guess that's Shakira. It's close. 2-1 Liverpool. 
trying to connect with the kids, the younger audience. Shakiri again off the defender and in. Liverpool wins it 3-1, and they jump back over top of Man City into first on the EPL's table. Vancouver Warriors opened their NLL season last night in Calgary. What a debut it was. They were down 13-8 in the fourth quarter, but came back with five straight goals. This one by Logan Schuss, part of a three-goal, six-assist night for Schuss, made it 13-12 with 49 seconds left. And then... Jamie's or James Ray, the Langley boy, 6'4", 230, the big man showing great hands, ties it at 13, so they go to overtime. Captain Matt Beers, not known to score too many, but showing some good touch here, whipping home the game winner. What a comeback, 14-13 the final. They play their home opener also against Calgary this Friday night at Rogers Arena. So hoping to make lacrosse great again here in Vancouver, at least in the NLL, so good Thank for that. Thank you. You're on top form today well, with Shakira. Shakira, Shakira. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackholm with 11 new centimeters of snow. Grouse with a base of 111, Cypress 114, Sasquatch opening to be determined. Revelstoke with 12 new centimeters, Fernie with a base of 120, Manning Park with 15 new centimeters of snow, and Whitewater with a base of 138. Big White with 8 new centimeters, Silver Star 4, Sun Peaks 9 new centimeters of snow. Kicking Horse with the base of 123, Mount Washington 25 new centimeters of snow, Powder King with a base of 135. All right, finally tonight, lots of us can only dream of in, uh, being in a super luxury car, but for a few deserving kids and their families, they were treated to a sweet ride thanks to the Driven Project and our Tanya Beja was there. All right, let's do it. It's an early Christmas gift, the kind of experience that won't fit under any tree. What does it feel like to be sitting in there? Awesome. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. I want to turn this teeth. For one day, a chance for these children to forget about their worries and take a spin in a supercar. I don't even have words in my mouth right now. Um, this is so crazy. Ferraris, McLarens and Lamborghinis lining up to take a tour of downtown Vancouver. Their passengers, survivors and families of children affected by life-threatening illnesses. Some of the kids that are coming out today are battling almost unimaginable adversity and incredible odds. So at the very least, what I'm hoping is that they can forget about whatever they're struggling with at the moment and have a really bright day and feel like a kid again. How was it? The Winter Cruise is the brainchild of Kevin Gordon, a 33-year-old entrepreneur who founded the Driven Project after buying his own dream car. It really comes around to giving back to the community, so we've got the mindset of paying it forward and we call it driving it forward as our kind of our, our twist on that. Gordon assembled a team of volunteers and exotic car owners for the test drive. A little rain, no obstacle for an otherwise unbeatable afternoon. It felt like really fun and like really fast. It was just like awesome to just to sit in one and ride in one. It feels like I've been in this car for a lot of years. <laughs> Tanya Beja, Global News. Isn't that great? Great mm -hmm. story. You can hear, they, they just sound uh, powerful, those cars. Yeah. They just make a certain sound. Just, and an, uh, have you been in any of those cars? Uh, no, I really haven't. I've, I've seen, you know, a lot of indie races and things but yeah. they're similar to no, that. I know. What about you? No, I don't think I have either. No, nor me. I'd good, say with them, they're kids. so low, I, I would have trouble getting back out of them. <laughs> yeah, right. we'd, we'd get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, uh, tonight, we're going to leave you with Sam today at Whistler Blackcomb. The first 100 people <laughs> who are dressed as St. Nick got a free lift ticket 
We say that's well deserved <laughs> for skiing in all of that gear, right? Pretty amazing. Good night. <laughs> Let us know that.